Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of redlegnation.com. Hello there, Reds fans. Welcome back to yet another thrill-packed edition of the Red Leg Nation Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Thanks again for joining us today on demand from Red Leg Nation World Headquarters. Got several things to discuss here today and uh, should be an interesting program. Hope so, anyway. Uh, in just a moment, uh, our buddy Bill Lack is going to be speaking with Logan Parker of the Carolina Mudcats, Reds AA affiliate, uh, one of our spotlight players at RedLegNation.com. Get an update from him uh, through... Uh, midway through the season here after two, two, two and a half months, and get his thoughts on the way things are going so far in 2009. First, though, there, as I said, there's several items to discuss. Uh, I think that we ought to at least touch on in the podcast here. The first of those has sort of been the continuing saga of Joey Votto. Uh, Joey, of course, is just, uh, he's been out now for a while, and uh, we all sort of feel bad for him. We don't really know what's going on. Uh, it's been kept uh, under wraps a little bit, but in the last couple of days, maybe there's some, uh, maybe a glimmer of hope, I guess is the way to put it, that Joey Votto may be back in the Reds lineup soon. And goodness gracious, do we need him back in the lineup? Uh, you know, just lost uh, the third game to the Nationals, scored a total of about negative uh, six runs in the whole series, uh, and somehow won two out of three. You know, thanks to the Nationals, uh, Washington Nationals, good for what ails you. I'm telling you, uh, that, that bunch is terrible. The worst pitching staff in the majors, but still the Reds could barely score a run. And uh, and, and part of that reason, Frank, is that uh, Joey Votto is not in the middle of that lineup. And um, another guy we're going to talk about in just a moment, uh, Edwin Encarnacion, not in the lineup. That's It's it's tough. What are you going to do? Dusty Baker's trying his best to hold this crew together. But it, it's easier said than done with the injuries and, and the fact that the Reds are so thin, frankly. Not a lot of depth right now in the Reds organization. I can see that changing over the next couple of years. Got a lot of guys coming up through the organization that can provide some depth. But right now, the Reds are still a little bit thin. Uh, specifically about Joey Votto, uh, John Fay in the Cincinnati Inquirer had a, a note the other day, and uh, he talked to Dusty Baker about Votto. Dusty seems to have a couple of different comments every day about about Joey, and 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 frankly, as I said, the last few days they've been somewhat encouraging. Uh, recently, he said uh, that Joey's doing everything he can to get back here. Uh, he said the game waits for nobody. You got to carry on till that person gets back. Um, but then said that uh, Joey Votto is, is better, getting better, and uh, he can tell by talking to him, tell by his voice, that he's feeling much better. So we'll have to take his word for that. Nobody else has talked to, to Joey. He's been kind of 
hidden behind the scenes a little bit and, uh, and not willing to talk to any uh, media or anyone uh, about what's going on with him. And you can't blame him for that. Uh, let him deal with it in his own way. We just want him to get healthy, get back on the field as soon as possible. Um, the, the next item for discussion, I guess, is uh, the another ongoing saga, really, as it, as it pertains to the Reds, and that's uh, Edwin Encarnacion. Now, Edwin, of course, has been out for a long time now. Uh, barely even had him in the lineup this year, seems like, with that wrist. And, you know, it started to look like, I, I said we're getting excited that Joey Votto may be close to coming back. Well, there last week it looked like Edwin Encarnacion might be on his way back. He'd been taking batting practice. He uh, looked like he was on the verge of being sent out for a rehab assignment in the minor leagues. I'm going to get a chance to go watch uh, Carolina Mudcats play next weekend. So I was kind of hoping that, that Edwin... Uh, would be there. Maybe Joey Votto will be there if he goes out on a rehab assignment as they're, they're expecting him to do. Maybe I'll get to see one of those guys. But um, either way, you know, Edwin had been taken bad in practice, and I thought he might be close. Well, um, he's had a setback, had to go get another MRI, and now he's hoping to be able to begin swinging the bat again this weekend. He's not, still not swinging a bat again. Um, and the quote from Edwin uh, it sounds exactly like what you'd expect from him. Uh, John Faye says, he's clearly frustrated with his left hand and wrist. Edwin says, I wait one month and then I have pain again. I love baseball. I want to play. It's hard to watch the game from the bench. Uh, and then, but he, he did, Edwin did want to make the point that he wasn't all the way back at square one. He wasn't a complete setback. He says he just has a little bit of inflammation. But, hey, Edwin, we love baseball too. Edwin, we want you to play. At least most of us do. I certainly do. Um, and it's hard to watch the game without you in the lineup and without... Joey Votto in the lineup, and with Jay Bruce uh, struggling mightily at the plate, hopefully coming out of that a little bit, uh, but as he's shown in this national series. But uh, goodness, uh, this offense, uh, what are we going to do? Um, I'm really uh, amazed that the Reds are as close as they are right now in the standings with this offense. Just it's it's putrid. It's it's terrible. Um, this offense stinks, as we say in the. Titanic struggle recaps at uh, redlegnation.com just about every night, unfortunately. And, you know, who do you blame? You know, Votto and, and Edwin are out. I, I don't know how much blame there is to, to throw around. This this team is who they are. You know, we uh, expected they weren't going to have much of an offense. The pitching has kept them in the, the race, frankly, up through the middle of June. Pitching's been outstanding. Uh, not one qualm. I take that back. There is there's one problem uh, with the pitching. And that's Mike Lincoln, who is just, he has been a disaster. And you, you feel bad for the guy. You watch him out there pitching, and you can tell. He's trying as hard as he can. Uh, he really wants to do well. And it's its like he's lost. That's thats the look that I, I see on his face. Uh, and I've often cautioned people, don't do, go extrapolating from what you see on somebody's face as to what they're actually thinking. But that, that's the look. He, it's like he doesn't know what what's wrong. He doesn't know why he's not pitching um he was at least adequate last year. Why he's not pitching like that? He came in the game the other night, gave up that home run, uh, first pitch uh, against the Cubs, that uh, caused the Red to, Reds to lose that game. And it just—you uh, feel bad for the guy. But his ERA is nine runs a game. That's uh, just—it's terrible. Um, at some point, they've got to do something. They've got to—you know—I I, I say send him to Triple A. Now, obviously, it's, that's easier said than done. In order to send him down to Triple A, Louisville. Uh, he's he doesn't have any minor league options. Matter of fact, the Reds, in all their infinite wisdom, signed him to a two-year contract before the season, a two-year major league contract. So to send him down, they're good, they'd have to expose him to waivers. 
And frankly, I don't care. Expose him to waivers. Um, two options there that, that would result from that. If he's exposed to waivers, probably, my guess is, there's nobody in the world going to claim him. Uh, who, who, who'd want him uh, at this point? So I, I would be very surprised if anyone claimed him, first of all. And, of course, if no one claims him, then uh, the Reds can designate him to Louisville and bring someone else up. Now, the next thing is, what if he's exposed to waiver and someone does claim him? Again, my answer there is, so? Uh, you know, uh, I think it's a risk that the Reds should take. Uh, if someone grabs him, well, more power to him. Let them take a, take on his contract um, for next year at least. If no one does claim him, then we got him in AAA, and maybe he can get things straightened out. There's a possibility. Frankly, he wasn't that good last year. He had a good stretch in uh, June or July, and the rest of the season was pretty, uh, well, the mediocre or worse. Uh, and this year, it's just been a disaster from day one. Um, so, you know, if someone else claims him, great. If he goes and pitches some, well somewhere else, well, that's a chance you take, I think, to, in order to pr- improve the ball club. And right now, the Reds really should try to get somebody up here that can that can pitch out of the bullpen. Um Really, he's the only weak link in the bullpen at this point. Uh, Arthur Rose continues to pitch magnificently. Uh, Nick Massett, wow. Uh, Nick Massett's just been unbelievable. Lights out the whole season. And, uh, you know, Daniel Ray Herrera had a rough go of it tonight. But he's pitched well. Uh, they got some arms out there in that bullpen. Uh, Coco Cordero, uh, Francisco Cordero. He uh, blew the save against the Nationals in the second game of that series. But, you know, it's first blown save of the year. He's had a good year. I've got no complaints about Coco at this point. So the pitching staff is solid. The offense right now, two weeks into June, even though we're hanging around the first uh, first place, really, you know, just a couple games back, uh, the offense, I don't see how we can continue to stay uh, in the race with this offense the way it is. Um, of course, I've been saying that for two months. So, uh, you know, you can take what I uh, what I tell you and, and, you know, buck 25 and you might be able to get you a cup of coffee somewhere. Um, but that's about it. That's what my opinion's worth. But, what do you guys think? Uh, you know, we're talking about it constantly at RedLegNation.com. You think the Reds can really hang in there with an offense like this? Uh, and with Dusty, and I, I do give Dusty credit for sort of holding this team together through all this mess, and, and I don't want to heap too much uh, blame on him for anything. Uh, but, you know, you do have to point to his lineup construction as one reason why the Reds are struggling scoring. Uh, this week, Jerry Harrison Jr. has been leading off with Willie Tavares. Batting second, which is just crazy. I mean, just insane, frankly. Um, I, I don't know where Dusty, what he's thinking. Well, he tried to explain what he's thinking um, in the paper. This, I guess this was uh, this this morning. Dusty said it's temporary. Uh, Willie missed some time. He was struggling a little bit before. He's struggling even more since he's been back. That is the understatement of the century. Willie Tavares has uh, not gotten a hit since, like, I think the Eisenhower administration, somewhere thereabouts. Um but then uh, Dusty says, Willie's my leadoff man. Sometimes you got to make a change because when the leadoff man ain't getting on base, he ain't no leadoff man. When he's getting on base, there's a lot happening. So since he's not getting on base at the, as a leadoff man, what does Dusty and all his brilliance do? Why, well, drop him to second in the order, of course. Uh, I think Dusty misunderstands the point that uh, the reason you don't want these low OBP guys up near the top of the order is because they're getting ready to hit in front of the guys that are supposed to be your run producers. Uh, Batting him first or second, either one, you're still in front of these these big guys, and you're sort of defeating the purpose there. Um, so I think maybe Dusty Baker just is a little confused about that. But what does he do, though? He, besides dropping Tavares to number two, he puts Jerry Harrison Jr. 
in the leadoff spot. Now, Jerry Harrison Jr., he is – I like having him around. Let's say that. He's a, he's a good guy off the bench to have. He plays a lot of positions, and, uh, you know, he's not going to kill you at any of them. He's not outstanding at any of them, but he's not going to kill you at any of those positions either. He's adequate, uh, certainly as a fill-in. Um, as a hitter, his whole career, he's had, uh, you know, he had one good, basically half a season last year in his entire career. That's that's all he's had. And, of course, he has uh, sort of used that to convince Dusty to play him every single day. He's a guy that gets exposed when you play him every day. He's a guy I like having on the team. I'm not trying to uh, attack Jerry Harrison here. Uh, Jerry Harrison's a guy I like having around. But he just gets exposed if you play him too much. He's not an everyday player. And so now at this time, we've got uh, Jerry Harrison Jr. leading off. Willie Tavares batting second. Both of them have on-base percentages below 300. Think about that. The two guys that you are counting on to get on base to set the table for the the run, so-called run producers, and that's a whole other issue for a whole different podcast about whether these guys are actually a bunch of run producers without uh, Joey Votto and Edwin Encarnacion, but uh, you got two guys with OBPs below 300 leading off. And that just it, that that blows my mind uh, that Dusty can think that's a that's a good thing. And it's not like it's just these guys are having a bad start to the season, and that's why they have low on base percentages. Uh, I mean that's part of it. They're not the Jerry Harrison had a hot stretch earlier, Willie Torres had a hot stretch earlier, but overall they're playing pretty poorly early on. But the numbers are not out of line with their career numbers. Is what's scary about it. Uh, so, you know, I'm not sure what quite is going through Dusty Baker's head at this point, hitting those two guys. At the top of the order. And then meanwhile, you've got a guy, Chris Dickerson. And, of course, as I said on the uh, RedLegNation.com, you know, I'm not a fully paid member of the Chris Dickerson fan club. I've been very critical of him. I think he's a fourth outfielder, really. A good fourth outfielder. I think he can contribute to a good team as a fourth outfielder. Um, but he's not a guy that you're going to count on for on a championship team uh, to be a starter. But his on-base percentage now is 375. And this guy can't even get off the bench. He can't even play. You know, last week, the last two weeks, when Tavares was uh, hurt or loafing or whatever he was doing there, uh, costing the Reds games, and then when he was out of the game and they didn't put him on the disabled list but let him just sit around and watch for a little while, Chris Dickerson put on a display of defense in center field like nothing I've ever seen. Uh, well, at least nothing I've seen in a while. I can't, I'm not going to say nothing I've ever seen. I've seen some good defensive center fielders in Cincinnati going back to Eric Davis and back to Cesar Geronimo. There's there been some good ones. So I, I, I don't want to overstate the case for Chris Dickerson there. But he, he played well, played much better than Willie Tavares defensively, and, and he got on base. He's you know he's not going to hit for a whole lot of power, and, and uh, he's not as good a player as he, he looked last September. Um, but he's always gotten on base a little bit in the minor leagues, certainly better than Tavares has shown he's got an ability to do. Why not take Chris Dickerson? He's a left-hander. Willie Tavares is a right-hander. Why not platoon those guys, Dusty? Get both of them some playing time against a uh, you know, play – Dickerson against right-handers, play Tavares against left-handers. Um, they're both, uh, you know, I'd count on Dickerson if, you're going, if your center fielder has to bat leadoff, and usually that's the case until recently with, with Dusty. Uh, you know, I'm more comfortable with Dickerson than Tavares leading off. Let's, let's just put it that way. Or Hairston. So, I don't know. That's that's sort of my thoughts on what's uh, happening with the Reds here. I, I'm just confused at what... Uh, Dusty Baker is thinking with respect to how he's putting that lineup together. But on the other hand, you've got to admit that he doesn't have a whole lot to work with either. So it's not like uh, it's not like he's got a lineup full of all-stars and he's misusing them. If he were playing Jerry Hairston over, uh, you know, at, at third base over 
you know, whoever, Ryan Zimmerman or uh, Evan Longoria. Uh, well, that'd be that'd be crazy. He's you know, uh, he's maybe trying to do the best he can with what he's got, but uh, I do have some qualms with the decisions he's made. But on the other hand, the Reds just took two or three from the Nationals, even though they looked terrible in taking those two or three. Hey, it's two wins, uh, and they're hanging around, you know. And hope springs eternal that uh, Edwin Encarnacion and Joey Votto can get back, and the Reds can, you know, stick around through August and September. Who knows? You never can tell with this pitching. You never can tell. So, as I said, hope springs eternal. We're all hoping the Reds can stick around in it. Frankly, if the Reds end up at 500 or you know, somewhere thereabouts at the end of the year, whether they're in the race or not, frankly, I'll be I'll be pretty satisfied because it's better than I expected out of the team this year. I felt I always felt like next year was the year the Reds are going to be really poised to break out and be a competitive team. So a record somewhere around 500 would be fine uh, for me. I, you wouldn't want to hear any complaints from uh, Chad Dotson at that time. Well, you might. I like to complain, but I know nobody likes to listen to it, but... I love to complain. Heck, what's the use of having a, a website to talk about the Reds every day if you can't uh, can't complain every once in a while? All right, one uh, one other topic before we get, head over into uh, Bill Lack's interview with Logan Parker. Um, again, Logan playing for the Carolina Mudcats. I'm hoping to get to I'll definitely get to watch him play. I hope I'm going to see at least two games this coming weekend when they're playing against the Tennessee Smokies. But before we get into that, this week obviously was the Major League Baseball draft. And a very interesting draft for the Reds in a lot of different ways. Uh, you know, obviously they picked a guy named uh, Matt Vileka, whose brother Chris Vileka has a, one, had a rough start to the year this year, and he's injured now because he slammed his hand into a – he broke it when he was uh, irritated with himself, shall we say, uh, for his play on the field. But uh, his little brother got selected by the Reds. But uh, up higher in the draft, the Reds took a guy named Mike Leake. Right-handed pitcher out of Arizona State University with their number one pick in the first round there. And uh, there have been some people crit- critical of this, some people very high on this uh, pick. Frankly, I'm very satisfied with the pick of Mike Leake. I think it's a good a good choice by uh, the uh, well Chris Buckley, the scouting director, and, and Walt Jockey, the GM, the rest of that crew. It's a solid choice by the Reds. Uh, Leak is uh, he's not a big guy. He's uh, he's listed at six feet, but frankly, he's five ten, five ten and a half. And so he's there've been a lot of comparisons to guys like uh, Roy Oswalt, you know, in terms of and Tim Hudson in terms of not being uh, a real 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 big guy. You know, usually they don't want these big tall right-handers that can that are six four and can throw 100 miles an hour. And he's not that guy. And I don't care that he's not that guy. Matter of fact, I love the fact that the Reds have sort of thought outside the box on this one, that they're not uh, just doing what a lot of teams do and just refusing to consider anyone that is not the prototype that they want. I mean, this guy, 13-1 record this year, uh, unbelievable ERA. Uh, and what I like the best about him is this guy has control. Uh, this guy knows where he wants the ball to go. I've seen him pitch uh, a couple times for Arizona State. And he's really got an idea. Very, very poised, and uh, just I'm, I've been impressed by watching him even before the Reds selected him. Uh, here's what the scouting report on him was from MajorLeagueBaseball.com: As a six-foot righty, people may want to overlook Leak as a big-time pitching prospect, but they might be missing the boat. Yeah, I agree with that. He can throw four pitches for strikes, and his poise is off the charts. He may not be that big, but he's athletic, strong, and durable with an extremely efficient delivery. He's done nothing but perform with the Sun Devils, and whoever looks past his size could have themselves a steal. Yeah, I think that's a good uh, that's a good uh, scouting report. I 
from what I've been able to tell about Mike Leake. The part about him being able to throw four pitches for strikes, two of those, according to the two of those pitches, according to the, the scouting reports, are major league ready already. So I mean, this guy is uh, you know not going to be too far away. Um, he'll probably, I'm guessing, starting start in Sarasota. That seems to be what the Reds want to do, even with their college guys. Um, but he might be in Carolina before long, and and who knows? He could be a, a, sometime in 2010. Uh, could be in the in the hunt to be in the majors uh, sometime, maybe the end of next year, middle to end of next year. So, a good good pick. I'm I'm pretty happy with that. Um, no truth number one to the rumor that he is Kelly Leak's son. Uh, Kelly Leak, obviously the uh, star player on the Bad News Bears. So, no truth to that rumor. I know some of you guys had been. Uh, speculating a little bit and I don't appreciate you speculating about that frankly that's not fair to to Mike Lee <laughs> um he may be a bad news bear but he's not 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 that not that bad news bear side uh Rez had a supplemental pick after round one they took Brad Boxberger right-handed pitcher out of the University of Southern California another college pitcher and I, I like I like this college pitchers first two picks I think that's uh, just outstanding I think that uh, it's a it's a good way to go. They expect another one in round three. So three of their top four picks were college pitchers. They're a little bit uh, easier to project, sort of. The you know they, they maybe got past some of the injury bug. You can tell they're developed a little bit more, a little more experience, a little closer to the majors. So I like the choice of these uh, college pitchers. Boxberger, uh, no, not Bruce Boxleitner, the 1970s and 80s actor. Brad Boxberger. Uh, his, here's his scouting report from MajorLeagueBaseball.com. He definitely improved his draft status with his first several starts. While many had seen him as a reliever in the future, he's emerged as a legitimate starting prospect with his performance. The key has been his ability to maintain his velocity deep into his starts, something he hadn't done in the past. And while his command is still a little bit uh, inconsistent, it's better than it has been. Combine that with a full repertoire of pitches, and if Boxberger keeps it up, he'll seriously enter the first-round conversation, which, of course, he did. Uh, you know, I like the fact that these two guys are major college pitchers, big-time programs, and, uh, you know, who knows if they're going to pan out or not, but they're solid selections. Uh, a league much uh, better chance, I think, of panning out than Boxberger. Uh, let's say the scouting reports are mixed on Boxberger, but I think he has a chance, a pretty good upside of uh, having a chance of contributing with Cincinnati. In the second round, the Reds took Billy Hamilton, a shortstop out of Taylorsville High School in Mississippi. High school shortstop, I don't know, but this guy is evidently an unbelievable athlete. Uh, he's committed to play football at Mississippi State, so we'll see if the Reds can sign him away from that. Uh, at picking him in round two, you'd think that they expect that they're going to be able to sign him away from that, but he's a three-sports star in high school. Um, he's supposedly got some holes in his swing, but his bat speed, strength, running speed uh, make these scouts drool. So, um, And the Reds seem to think he can stick at shortstop as well, so... Uh, don't know enough about him just yet to project, and high school players uh, are impossible to project anyway. So, but the Reds took him awfully high, so they think pretty highly of him. Um, College World Series is coming up this weekend. Be sure to watch Leak pitching for the Arizona State Sun Devils out there in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, in the College World Series. Also, I expect every one of you to cheer for my alma mater, the University of Virginia, making their first ever appearance in the College World Series out there playing against LSU this week in, in the first uh, first game. And it, really exciting for a UVA fan because, frankly, our basketball program is terrible. Our football program is terrible. Uh, unless you like lacrosse or field hockey or soccer or uh, one of those, it's not a whole lot to cheer for uh, 
in terms of these the bigger sports I guess at UVA they're always fantastic in some of these other sports like lacrosse um, and we're very proud of, of our pro, those programs uh, the tennis program has been outstanding lately but baseball under coach Brian O'Connor has been uh, very good lately and uh, they've been rewarded a bunch of freshmen and sophomores this year to go all the way to the uh, college world series it's been an amazing run a lot of fun to watch so I expect each of you to cheer for for UVA uh, the Cavaliers in, in the College World Series. All right, let's quit talking about the UVA. I know none of you care about them. Well, there's two or three of you that care because I always get the emails from you. But uh, for the rest of you, let's go on and get into Bill Lack's interview with Logan Parker. Again, Logan, our spotlight player, uh, who is with the, playing in Double A at this time. First baseman by trade, but been playing some outfield lately. Uh, Bill's going to get his updates on everything that's going on there in Carolina. Take it away, Bill. Hello out there in Red Lake Nation land. We are thrilled today to be checking in with one of our spotlight players, Logan Parker of the AA Carolina Mudcats. Logan, welcome, and thanks for giving us your time on your off day. We appreciate it. How are you doing today? Hey, thank you. I'm doing fine. doing fine. Just enjoying the day off. Well, since you, you said you're back home today <clears throat> after traveling in from Jacksonville, well, let's talk about, about Zebulon, North Carolina, and the that this is this is a Reds Double A team's first year in Zebulon, and, and look, uh, tell us a little bit about the ballpark. Um, well, most people would think it'd be a hitter's ballpark with the 309 feet down the line, but I've only seen two would be called cheap home runs over there, and anything else you get a hit at this park, you've heard it. It's one of the better pitchers parks in the league, probably one of the better pitchers parks I've ever played at as far as any of the Florida State League fields go and anything. It just, I mean, the wind, is, it's just dead at night, and you have to absolutely crush a ball to get it out unless you hit it right down the line and left. So the ball doesn't care. Is, is it re- the air real heavy? Is that what you're saying? I don't even know if it's the air's real heavy or anything, but during batting practice, the ball flies because the wind, <clears> I mean, you got like a 5 to 10 mile an hour wind that blows out, and then it's absolutely dead at game time. Huh. What about how are the facilities there? The clubhouse, the the, the uh, that kind of thing. The clubhouse is fine. It's nothing, nothing to write home about. But it's all right. It, it serves a purpose. It's not Cobb Field, no. huh? Oh no, no, no! <laughs> Definitely better than that. <clears throat> how have your crowds been there? Uh, besides Friday and a little bit Saturday, they're pretty much non-existent for the most part. Um, you know, a lot of the times our radio guys said it was had a lot to do with the Hurricanes being in the playoffs and things like that, But and school's still going on. But for the most part, the, the crowds aren't that good until Friday night. You get a good crowd because of fireworks, and Saturday you get a decent crowd. Do, do, do the fans seem – do you seem like – or do you believe that there is an adjustment for the fans with the change in organizations, or do they are they just Mudcat fans? Yeah, I think there's some cat fans. I don't think they cheer for any one organization. <clears throat> so, and, and Zebulon's, what, like 20 miles outside of Raleigh? Yeah, 20, 25. How, how are you enjoying the area down there? Uh, the place we actually live is not bad. It's it's uh, Knightsdale or Knightsdale or something like that. But, I mean, it's a nice place. It's got all the restaurants you could ask for. You know, with our schedules, that's all you can really ask for is just a place to go eat every day. So, yeah. What what are know. the what what are the difficulty that players face when a team moves into a new into a new city like this? Uh, uh, nothing really, you know, because 
you know, it's not like I had been in Chattanooga before. So, I mean, I'm, I would be new regardless of wherever I'm at. Right. <clears throat> so, so when you guys got there coming out of camp, they kind of steered you to places to live and, and that kind of thing? Yeah, they get, they set it up pretty much for us that here's an apartment complex that'll, you know, kind of like similar to Dayton where they furnish apartments and you just kind of got to pay the rent. So, it was, I mean, this place takes care of you, and I guess they did it for the Marlins in the past. Oh, okay. So let's talk about your season so far. Right now your 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 numbers are uh, 254, 360, 385. Are, are you happy with your numbers right now? Um, I was happy with the way I started. I felt like I got off to a above average start for what I usually do numbers-wise. And I had the same average made that I have every year where everything just plummets for whatever reason. And right about the time I started getting hot and starting to get into a good feel of things again, the playing time decreased for obvious reasons, which right. I understand. But <clears throat> numbers-wise, I'm not. The numbers are so deceiving, that and average-wise, for a lot of guys right now in our squad because we've had, personally, I've hit, I can count four balls that I would easily call doubles down the first baseline that guys just play you different, and the first baseman's playing on top of the line. So if it's, it's no longer a double, it's, a, it's an out. And, I mean, I can, I can even count on fingers, hands, toes, anything, the number of balls I've lined out, which is, I mean, obviously that way for everybody. But that's a big change I've noticed from A ball to double A is the positioning of the defense. It seems like everywhere you hit a ball, you hit it hard, somebody's right there. So it sounds like you're also you're happy with the way you're striking the ball, but you're also kind of hitting in some bad luck. Yeah, I've run into a lot of I mean, a lot of bad luck, which I'm saying everyone has, everybody on our team has. We've all scored balls up, but yeah, it's, I mean, I'm happy with the way it's coming back or after a slow May. Yeah, physically, you're feeling pretty good. I had a, a little bit, a little bit of shoulder problem. Just got, I mean. The same old things. It was just kind of locking up on me for a while, but yeah, it feels good now. So I felt good for two weeks, probably. Was this, this was this the shoulder you hurt in Dayton? Yeah, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, when we talked in the off season, we talked about the Reds draft in Alonzo and how it seemed to change your position with the with the future with the ball club. And now he's on your team. And, and the weekend before he was promoted, you, you started two games in the outfield. Were you forewarned about this move to the outfield or that he was coming up or anything like that? Well, I was told that I was going to be playing a lot more outfield and that they wanted me to do early work and things before batting practice out there. And I said, well, does this mean I'm going to play outfield more? And they said, yeah. And I said, a lot more? And they just kind of smiled and said, yeah. So I, I, I knew right then yeah. that he would have been coming up. And then the day before he got there, uh was a day game. I got called to the manager's office, and he just, I mean, he gave me a warning. He just gave me a heads up and said, I feel like you deserve to know this, but he's going to come up, and, uh, you know, I'll get you in there as much as I can. So, How are you, How do you feel out there in the, in, in the outfield? How are you doing defensively out there? Well, left field is coming a lot more naturally and easy than right field. Uh, right field I still struggle with, just the way the ball comes off the bat. And to the average person, it's probably, they probably think it's the same. But it's, it couldn't be 
any more options. But uh, I would say left field's where I enjoy playing more in the outfield, but right field, I mean, any chance I get in there, I don't even care where it's at. Yeah. I know. It seems like you've become part of like an outfield rotation, and, and, and it's kind of you and, Sh- and Shane Henry, Shane or Sean Henry, and, and with yeah. almost no DH in this league most of the time, it seems. Uh, when was the last time you were in a in a in this kind of position where you were fighting for playing time? Mm, my junior year of high school, I guess. Wow. I mean, it's it's been a while, and and that's part of it. Once you start getting into pro balls, because you know when you get drafted, you were for the most part everybody who got drafted that year was that that college team's premier player. I mean, you were the best player on that team, and everybody was there, you know, to watch you. And then you get drafted, and you're a lot, you're right beside 24 other kids who are the same way. So I mean, now that we're in Double A, I'm. I mean, Henry's a good player. He's swinging the bat well. So, it's, and Bell's David Bell's in a you know a really tough position, trying to get all of us in there at the same time. And it's, you know, it's virtually impossible right now because everybody's swinging the bat well, and any lineup he puts out there seems to be the right one right now. So, he's in a tough spot. And uh, yeah, but for the most part, I've never been in this situation. So, I'm just so, trying to make the most of it. So, so is is the biggest adjustment to this just a mental adjustment for you you know you just have to be ready at the drop of a hat to, to go up if you're you know if you're only going to get one at bat a game say you know if you're not starting a certain night is it a different mindset that you have to adjust to uh i was telling somebody yesterday i when i was pinching early in the year when i was playing all the time and i get a pinch hit off the bench I'd get so amped up for the pinch hit and sit there and stretch the whole inning before and just get, try to get really focused. And it didn't work for me. I said I'd get, it just made me too nervous. I got too excited. But, uh, you know, lately I've, I've had more success doing it just by sitting there on the bench and acting like I was still sitting on the bench. Just trying to stay real tired and real, almost bored. And when I, when I'm called upon, I go up there and seem to square the ball up a lot better. So. I mean, the mindset, yeah. I mean, you just got to know. I may, I may be a part of a double switch later on in the game where I may get a pinch hit. But, but yeah, I mean, I, he, our manager tries to give us a heads up when we're going to play that day. You know, the day before, and he'll tell us, hey, he's going to start tomorrow. So, it's easier that way. <clears throat> when, when you do, you know, when he comes down and tells you, you know, you know you're, you're going to get, you know, you're going to bat this inning. And you go up to the plate as a pinch hitter. Do you have to be careful not to press or be over anxious and, and to keep your normal hitting approach? You know, do you, can you try to do too much? You know, can you be trying to hit a three-run homer? You know, when there's nobody oh, on yeah. base. Oh yeah, because you feel when you get called upon to pinch hit. A lot of times, I'll get I'm one of the last guys to do it off our squad because you know I I can play other positions where if he needed a double switch. He could use me to go in the outfield or he could put me in the infield. So I'm one of the last couple of guys. So when I'm called upon to pinch hit, it's usually a one-run game or a tie game. And I feel like that's almost what I'm called upon to do. I'm not called upon to hit a flap single somewhere. I'm called upon to drive on the gap or hit one out. So, yeah, it's easy to get in there and try to do too much. But, I mean, that's a, that's a battle that we all fight every time you get in there. 
Yeah, so you, re you really have to battle to make sure that you keep your, your normal hitting approach at the plate. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> this, this change in your role from being an everyday guy to right now kind of fighting for playing time, does this change the way you prepare every day? Uh, not really. I mean, I still go and do everything as early as I can and just have fun with it. That's the only thing that I'm focusing on more now. Just have a lot more fun when I do get in there. Not to stress out about it because it doesn't seem like it's a matter of okay if, if you're in there today and you go four for four, you're going to be in there tomorrow. That's not really how it works. Because the, my first night that I played the outfield, I was two for five with a home run, and then the next night I wasn't playing. I didn't play for three days after that, so it doesn't really matter. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the, I, just, the, the, I just go, I just go and have fun, and you know, I work. I mean, I work more now than I did when I played every day because I'm working in the outfield for early work, and then I go during bad practice and take fly balls, and then go to first and take ground balls. So I'm just all over the field now. And now with right field, like I said, I've got three positions I'm trying to cover during the matter of three groups of batting practice. So it's fun. I have a good time with it. Um, David Bell's the manager down there, right? Who's who's your hitting instructor down there? Ryan Jackson. Is, is his philosophy any different than guys you've dealt with in the past? No, I had him. He was my guy last year in Sarasota. So oh, I've worked he? with him. Okay. Yeah, I've worked with him in the past. So. No, we've got a good relationship. <clears throat> so, um, basically, what you're saying is, is even if you know you're not starting that day, you, you still have to come to the ballpark and be prepared in the same way even if it's going to be for one at bat instead of five, right? Right. And I've always said that when I play every day and then you get that day off, you know, a lot of people kind of relax on that day off. I think that I always had to talk with Donnie Scott about it when, I, when he was my manager, that on that day off, get more work done during the early work. Work hard, take more ground balls because you can relax a little bit during the game and catch a little bit of a breather. During the game, you don't have to worry about that. So okay. I almost work harder. <clears throat> yeah, it, gives, it gives like you that. some ha some some. I think you. I think we talked in the off season. <clears throat> you were saying that you, you changed the way you prepared, and it, it, it helped you break some bad habits that you picked up. Is this kind of the same yeah. thought? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, are you Are you enjoying Carolina? Do you like the Does the area seem nice? Is it a nice place to play? Um, after going to Chattanooga, I would much rather prefer to play there. Yeah. Obviously, I, I mean, that place has better fan support. The ballpark's nicer. The ball absolutely flies out of that place. It, it's just another date all over again. Really? As far as the ball flying. Yeah, the ball jumps out of there. The other thing... Um, the area here's nice. I mean, the, I mean, the people are nice. The area is nice. The other thing I heard it. about Chattanooga is, is in terms of the Southern League, it's, it's a lot nicer, easier for traveling. Yeah, they said two, two to three hours from everything. Yeah, and our shortest one is on paper is six or six and a half or something, and it takes every trip it's taken us at least seven, seven and a half hours. There aren't any short. There aren't any short trips in that league, are there? No, not for us. I mean, you you've been over to Montgomery, right? Is that is that the furthest trip? Uh, we haven't been to Montgomery. We've been to Mobile. And that's our furthest trip. 
And how far? How long was that? Oh man, that was the first trip of the year. Forever. <laughs> uh, yeah, eleven hours, ten, eleven. Oh my, that that's like the like when you're in Billings. Yeah, and that's I mean we at least in Billings we would get off the bus and have a day off the next day, for the most part. But here, I mean, you get off that bus, you're playing the next morning. We got in at eight or eight or nine o'clock that morning, and then you play the next day. You you mentioned earlier that one of the differences that you that you've seen in the Southern League, you know, playing in Double A, <clears throat> compared to where you played last year, is the defensive positioning. What other differences have you seen? Nothing really. I mean that I mean, the pitching is almost the same. A little bit more off speed pitches and uh, and hitters count. You know, two zero and three one counts like that. Pitchers will. You know, try to throw a change up here and there, but for the most part, everything's pretty much the same. It's just, you got guys, it seems like there's 13 guys playing defense every day. So, yeah, so you, you haven't seen a dramatic increase in the talent level. It's it's just a normal ramping up going from one level to another? Yeah, and a lot of times we've played against these guys before. <clears throat> sure. So we've come up, like I played against them in Dayton and Sarasota and again here. So a lot of guys we know real well. Your team's been playing pretty well. You guys have been on a hot streak. Yeah, we got hot. We got. Uh, Would you win nine out of ten came, or ten out of eleven or something like that? Yeah, our pitching came together, and then hitting it just got extremely hot. And our bullpen got, you know, a couple of changes in the bullpen. We got that shirt up, so we got a tough squad now. It seems like it seemed like just looking at the transactions and thing, like you, you had some problems with starting pitching because they brought a couple of guys in from outside the organization, didn't they? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I, I know they brought Cochran in. And there was another guy was before with, that, wasn't there? And he wasn't there long. I think he made one or two starts, and then I think they released uh, him. Yeah, Appleton, Kyle Appleton. Yeah. yeah, he was with Birmingham. He was released by Birmingham, and we needed the lefty out of the pen. And had, I guess heard some good things about him. He's, I mean, he's got a good arm. He's ran into some bad luck with us. Yeah. With uh, just a little bit of control issues. But, You got you've, you've got two teammates down there that are having pretty daggone good offensive years in Frazier and Heisey. Yeah, Heisey's unbelievable. I don't know. He's come so far since I saw him in Billings that first year. I mean, he's a completely different ball player. It's unbelievable. It's fun to watch. Yeah, he, he's uh, he's really having an incredible year. Um, yeah. One last thing before we sign off. Your old high school buddy's having a, a heck of a first year with the Reds. You want to give us any thoughts on Danny Herrera? I mean, the only thing I can say is people really just needed to see it and believe it for themselves that a kid 5'6 could get somebody out of the major league level with the stuff that he's got. And, you know, when he first went up there last year, there was a lot of critics saying, why is this guy here? And, not some of these other fireballers that we've got in the bullpen in, in Louisville. We should bring those guys up ahead of him. But, uh, I mean, I guess it's finally paying off. People finally see him what, what, uh, what I knew he had. So I'm obviously very, very excited for him. And wishing nothing but the best. I talk to him quite often. and He seems to be enjoying it. So. Yeah, he's done real well. The, the only thing my, my wife says all the time when she sees him on television is, He's so little, he looks like he's wearing his dad's uniform. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
Anyway, that's all we have today, and as always, Logan, we really appreciate your time, and hopefully we can talk again soon. Yeah, definitely. All righty, thanks very much. All right, thank you. Have a good one. All right. All right, thanks a lot to Logan Parker, and certainly thanks to Bill Lack as well for uh, setting up that interview, and I appreciate always Logan giving us a few minutes of his time. Uh, impressive young man, and we're certainly wishing him all the best as he uh, faces those challenges there in AA and tries to uh, make that step forward. Uh, he's close. He's close if he can uh, get it all together. So we're, we're certainly rooting for Logan Parker, uh, and I'll be there cheering for him next week as well as uh, another one of our editors at Red Leg Nation. We'll be there watching and, uh, and cheering on Logan Parker and the rest of the Carolina Mudcats as they play the Tennessee Smokies. All right, that's enough. I know you're sick of listening to my voice, and frankly, I'm tired of talking to you too. Uh, so let's get out of here. Um, thanks, uh, thanks though, in all seriousness for joining us. And uh, if you got any comments, suggestions, concerns, anything, radio at redlegnation.com is where to send those. If you've not already done this, I urge you every week, and, and it's it's really uh, fun funny to watch the numbers go up every week, but go subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. Uh, it's the best way to ensure you're not going to miss any of these episodes of Red Leg Nation Radio. And, of course, you can use the Red Leg Nation Radio tab at the top of redlegnation.com to get all the updates, information, and past episodes. Thanks again to everyone of you out there in the nation. This is Chad Dotson saying so long. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Hey, Mike. Glad you could join me for some great seafood. Me too. Wait, why are you dressed in fishing gear? You said we were going out to catch great seafood, right? Yes, to Popeye's. Do you even know how to fish? No, I thought you did. Oh, yeah. I could catch pretty good seafood at Popeye's. Let's go. Let Popeye's do the fishing while you enjoy our delicious signature seafood. Get Popeye's flounder fish sandwich or shrimp tackle box before they're gone. Limited time at participating U.S. restaurants. 